0: a new series today and I'm really excited about this series. Uh, It's about the Kingdom of God and I want to start talking about the Kingdom of God by illustrating it first of all. I hope you're okay with this but I'm going to tell you 10 stories straight off. How about ten stories of the kingdom of God breaking in. And these stories come from just me, my little life, over the last couple of months, just seeing the kingdom of God break in to different situations. So the first one is this. A washing machine man comes to repair my washing machine. And he turns up and the whole time he is on his knees complaining about a problem in his hip. He keeps telling me about this problem. I look at Alice and she looks at me. We look at one another and say, okay then. I said, would you like me to pray for you? And we ended up praying for him and telling him about Jesus. A couple of weeks later, the postman knocks on my front door and so I go to the door but he finds that the door's already open so he's put the letter down on the mat for me. As I go out to greet him, he picks up the letter and starts to hand it for me and he says, oh, I've got a really bad back. I just go, oh my goodness, please, I'm in a meeting, I'm busy, I was able to share with him. We were in Morrisons, Alison and I, recently, and we came up to the tills who we went up to pay, and I asked the man, how are you today? Now, in England, for those who are uninitiated, when you ask, how are you today, people always say, fine. This man was different. He told us all of his heartaches, his problems, and his woes. He poured his heart out to us, and we were just trying to pay for our shopping. <laughs> Do you know, sometimes the kingdom of God breaks out And we don't even have to do anything to make it happen. It's just because we are there. And I want to say those illustrations to you because actually you don't realize how much you affect the atmosphere with just being who you are as a believer filled with the Holy Spirit. So next time somebody starts telling you all their problems and woes, that's an indicator. The kingdom of God is about to break out. In France, recently, uh, we uh, pray for a lady who's had the most excruciating back problems for about 10 years after she had children. And she'd been prayed for many, many times before. But as we prayed for her, I said, I, I believe that God wants to do a creative miracle in your life. So what I'm going to do is ask for a new disc in your back because I think that's what you need it's not healing you actually need a new disc is that okay so we pray for a new disc and as I'm praying she starts to lean over and she doesn't know why but as she does she feels something pushed into her back and I'm not touching her and she feels an excruciating pain for about a second and suddenly snaps upright and all the pain has gone I saw her this week And she's had no further problems. She's not on painkillers anymore. She's moved house and has been decorating, which her husband's delighted by. Isn't that amazing? (laughs) Absolutely amazing. Praise God. Again, in, uh, in France, uh, at a, we were at a conference there and a lady who's being prayed for encounters the presence of God and suddenly all the pain in her starts to come out. She starts to cry and she starts to scream. And then all that has been oppressing her and affecting her for so many years, suddenly she gets released. She's suddenly free and she knows peace like she's never known before because the Holy Spirit encounters her and changes her life. In the same meeting, I go up to a young man who looks very very disturbed and uh, he doesn't look like he fits in there he looks a bit kind of uncomfortable and I don't know why but I just felt to hug him and I I put my arms around him as I hug him he throws his arms around me and he holds on and then he starts to cry and he cries and he cries I don't understand what's happening but I just stand there through a translator uh, later on in that day I find out that it's the first time he's ever been hugged by a father He has an encounter with the Father's love and it changes his life. The whole of the rest of the week, he's smiling and he's asking for hugs from everybody and he's giving them out too. Isn't that amazing? Isn't God good? A couple of weeks ago, I led two men through forgiveness and repentance towards one another. And as I did that with him, as we prayed together, the atmosphere in the room dramatically changes and the demonic oppression that's been affecting them for, for months just suddenly lifts, and peace comes into the place where we're speaking. At Life Group, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we pray for somebody with a bad back. And she gets better. The whole of the rest of the evening, we share stories of how God's breaking into different people's lives, and how the kingdom of God is coming in different places. oh, and there have been angels. There have been angels sighted, experienced, and touched amongst us as we've gathered together. It's really interesting. Uh, for several months now, people have talked about a large angel standing amongst us as we're worshipping. I haven't cross-referred. I haven't told this person and then told that person. I've just sort of kept it to myself. And, uh, but they've all talked about a very large angel standing in the same place. <laughs> And then Julian, a prophet from South Africa, comes and says there's a very large angel standing there in the same place that I've been told. And he says he's called the angel of breakthrough and he's been assigned to your church. Isn't that amazing? Do you know what? It's okay to get excited today. So praise God. Isn't God good? Wonderful. Stories of hope. Stories of peace. Peace and joy. Wrongs being righted, good triumphing over evil, justice over injustice. This is the kingdom of God breaking out. And these are just a few of the many more stories I could have told you of just day-to-day encounters and seeing what God is doing amongst us. And I'm believing for more. And so today we're going to start this long-awaited series on the Kingdom of God. At last, I've been waiting to start this series. And I believe it's time now to bring this foundational teaching to Jubilee Church. And do you know, I'm so expectant of what God is going to do amongst us. Over these next few months, as we look at this theme, I'm really expectant. We'll certainly get more of heaven on earth we will. We'll certainly get more of the miraculous occurring amongst us. We'll certainly get more touches of heaven. I'm believing for that. I'm really believing for that. So I'm going to base this series on the book of Matthew. And if you know the Gospels, you'll know that Matthew, the main theme of that book, is the kingdom of God, or is sometimes called the kingdom of heaven, but they're kind of interchangeable. It's the same thing, really. And so today, in this introductory talk, I want to look at this first question and say, well, what is the Kingdom of God? So what is the Kingdom of God? Well, the first thing I want to tell you is this. The Kingdom of God, this whole theme, this series, it's really important. That's the first thing. The Kingdom of God is really important. In the New Testament, you'll find that the kingdom of God is mentioned almost everywhere. It's dotted throughout. It's dotted throughout. In the first three Gospels, Jesus mentions the kingdom over a hundred times. And it's mentioned over 30 times in the rest of the New Testament as well. And do you know what? I think that if Jesus, who is the most important man who ever lived, talked so much about something then that alone is a reason for us to consider the subject very important. Do you agree? I mean, it's so important that Jesus said that we must seek first his kingdom. We need to put that first. It needs to be the priority over everything else. That means over food, over clothing, over all material needs. I mean, I don't know if you saw the newspapers this week talking about the launch of the iPhone 6. And there was a man apparently in Birmingham City Centre in his 40s who queued for three days and three nights for a new phone. I just think, really? Is it really worth that? Our priorities are all wrong. Jesus says you need to seek first his kingdom. All those other things are secondary, thirdly, and beyond that. He even taught us to pray about it. He said, every time you pray, say these words, (laughs) let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the kingdom of God was all that Jesus talked about. You know those last 40 days that He had with the disciples after the resurrection? It says that Jesus spent 40 days with his disciples talking about the kingdom of God. That's Acts chapter 3, Acts chapter 1 verse 3. So Jesus must have thought that the kingdom of God was pretty important. His disciples got it, I think, in a way that I don't think has fully dawned upon us. Because, you see, the Gospels tell us that everywhere they went, they declared the kingdom. Everywhere they went. That's all they talked about. It's the kingdom. It's the kingdom. It's coming. Get ready. And the Apostle Paul did the same thing. I mean, some people have said, well, you know, Paul, the Apostle, he didn't really talk much about the kingdom of God. He just talks about the gospel, the gospel, the gospel, but then that's to misunderstand what it's all about, because, of course, the gospel is the message of the kingdom. And then at the end of the book of Acts, Luke sums up Paul's ministry by saying this. He says, he proclaimed, this is of Paul, he spoke of Paul. He says, he proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. What an epitaph to your life. All he did was talk about the kingdom and Jesus. I wonder if that could be written on my tombstone or on yours. The kingdom of God stuff is so important. I hope you get that. It's so important. It's more important than perhaps we've ever realised. And yet in my earlier years of church and as growing up as a Christian, I heard it talked about so little. I'd heard so little teaching on it. I was talking to Simon Clay, we were just sort of discussing the series and what we were going to do, because he's going to contribute, and Steve's going to contribute, and others are going to contribute to the series. And he was saying the same thing. He says, do you know, I realise all my years in church, I've hardly heard a talk on the kingdom of God. And he says, and I don't think I've ever preached on it. Why is that? When Jesus has made it such a central theme, and it's so important... I've got various different theories about why it might be but perhaps it's because we've just got so busy trying to build the church especially as leaders it's all about building the church it's all about structure it's all about programs it's all about training it's all about building the church the thing I've realised over the last few years is that Jesus never told us to build the church did you know that? (laughs) Jesus said I will build my church. (laughs) He never told us to build his church. In fact, what he said was to proclaim the kingdom. Go everywhere proclaiming the kingdom and talking about me, he said. And demonstrating the power of that kingdom. I just feel like I need to pause right now, (laughs) and maybe you do too, but Lord, we need to confess. We need to repent. Lord, I'm so sorry that I've tried to do your job and neglected mine. I think for the kingdom of God to become a reality in our lives, there needs to be a change of mindset. It's such a different way to think. It's such a different way to look at the world. There needs to be a change of priorities in our lives. You know, that's why I think John the Baptist, when he introduced this great theme of the kingdom in Matthew chapter 3, he began with these words, which I want to bring this begin this series with as well. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, change the way that you think. Change the way that you look at the world because there's another kingdom very close at hand. Repent. We need to change the way that we think. And you know, the importance of the kingdom can't be overstated. We could preach about it every week, every day of our lives. We could talk about the kingdom and it still wouldn't be overstating it as far as Jesus is concerned. Can you see how we need to change the way that we think? It must be our top priority... And it must consume our thoughts and our imaginations. So, kind of like this imagine this. What on earth could God do if heaven really came to earth? Think about that. What on earth could God do if heaven really came to earth? So the kingdom of God then, it's very important, it's got to have first priority in our lives, but what does this look like? What does this really mean? What, what do I get hold of here? And, and the first thing I want you to see with this is that the kingdom of God is actually pretty hard to define. <laughs> I mean, one of the startling things about reading the Gospels, especially Matthew, is kind of a huge assumption that this introduction of the phrase, the kingdom of God, seems to make. I mean, within minutes, it seems, I mean, Matthew starts, doesn't it, with the birth of a king. It gives his lineage. Within seconds, it's talking about this king and this kingdom that John the Baptist then starts to proclaim. But there's no kind of explanation it's a bit like when you sit down, I don't know, if you sit down with a room of teachers, or, or plumbers, or, or some other kind of profession, and they all start talking about their work, and they talk about, talk about stuff in this lingo that you don't understand. It's like they all know what they're talking about, but we haven't got a clue, <laughs> And it's a bit like that when you jump into Matthew or any of the other Gospels. They're all talking this language, and we just don't know quite what they're talking about. It's a kind of a shorthand that they're using. I mean, there's lots of hints. There's lots of hints of maybe what Jesus is talking about. Take, for example, Matthew 13, and just see if this helps at all. Matthew chapter 13, Jesus tells us that the kingdom of God is... It's small, but it grows very large. (laughs) Or perhaps this one. He says, it's actually, it's tiny, but it spreads and it affects everything. And on another occasion, he says, the kingdom is like treasure that's hidden in a field, and when you find it, you hide it again, and then you have to buy the field. Is this helping anybody? (laughs) And then he says, it's easy to sow, but it seems to be just as easy to lose. (laughs) And then Jesus says, it's near at hand, but it costs everything to get it. And you just think, what? Does that help anybody here? (laughs) I mean, we like to tie things up and get them really clear, don't we? Just sort of understand nice, clear definition. That's it, I've got that sussed. Jesus doesn't do that. And Paul doesn't help us much either, although I think he starts to steer us in the right direction. When he tells us in Romans chapter 14, verse 17, he says, The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, okay, but of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit well, that's the nearest I can quite get to understanding maybe what the kingdom is about. It's not food and drink, it's not something physical, perhaps not something as tangible as that, but it's to do with righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Well, we're kind of on the right track now. But there isn't a very easy, clear definition. I mean, church history doesn't help either, it makes it even more confusing. When over the years, many have taught that the kingdom of God is actually the church. Only here, the dwelling place of God on earth, that's where his kingdom is, so let's build the church. But as I've already said, Jesus never told us to build the church, but proclaim the kingdom. So that doesn't work. The church is not the kingdom, but it carries the message of the kingdom and is the place where the kingdom is demonstrated. And we're going to come back to this in this series, talking about the purpose of the church in in connection with the kingdom of God. Or church history confuses us elsewhere as well. It's taught that the kingdom is a place that we go to when we die. Because actually what we're talking about is heaven. We're actually talking about going to heaven, which some far-off ethereal place where God is, and if we're good enough, perhaps we'll get there one day. But how can that be true? How can that be right? How does heaven then come to earth, and how do we see his kingdom established on earth, and a new heaven and a new earth being established under his rule and reign? The kingdom of God is not heaven. It's not some far-off ethereal place. And Jesus tells us that we're meant to pray, that it comes down all the time. So I don't want to go there if it's coming down here. I want it to come down here. (laughs) Sorry, are you getting confused here? (laughs) So the people of the New Testament times understood what Jesus meant by the kingdom of God, or the kingdom of heaven, only because it was very much part of their culture and their understanding of the expectation of the messianic age that comes from the Old Testament. It was a linger that they understood like teachers in the lounge talking. They understood what they were talking about. It was a shorthand. And here it is. The kingdom is all about messianic and prophetic fulfillment. Sorry, that may not help you. Bear with me. archaeologists tell us archaeologists tell us that the favorite books of the Jewish people at the time of Jesus was Isaiah and Daniel they were kind of the best sellers of their day and uh, they knew these books inside out and these books talk about a coming king and the kingdom that he would establish on earth so there's this shorthand for these messianic prophetic promises so they lived in the expectation of and eagerly awaited this king and this kingdom that was to come. So that's why the Jews immediately understood the significance of what Jesus did when one day he turned up the temple turned up at the temple he opened the book of Isaiah and he read these words the spirit of the sovereign lord is on me to heal. <laughs> They knew exactly what he was talking about. And that was why they were so shocked. They knew straight away. Jesus was saying, these words fulfilled in your hearing means the Messiah is here. The king that you've been waiting for, the one that you talk about, is on your bestseller list. You're always talking about, I'm actually here. Hi. And actually... There were 17 passages that would have been very well known to the Jews of the time, all of which spoke about this future kingdom and its characteristics. Now, for the sake of time, I'm not going to go through all 17 passages now, but I want to just pick out seven of the most common themes of the kingdom that are mentioned in this passage. I'm going to do that fairly quickly, so hold on to your seats the seven characteristics of the kingdom. And I hope that you'll, you'll think this is worthwhile because although this still doesn't give you a definition of the kingdom, it gives you a context, it gives you an understanding uh, or even a description of what the kingdom of God meant to the people who heard this message in Jesus' time. So here we go. Firstly, the kingdom of God is described as deliverance or salvation is talking about deliverance or salvation. This is mentioned in all 17 of the 17 references in the book of Isaiah. So a characteristic of the kingdom is deliverance or salvation. So Isaiah 61, we've already mentioned it, 61.1, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. So, in other words, you see this kind of stuff happening... You see people are getting delivered of fear, their lives are getting transformed, they're becoming uh, freed up people, Uh, uh, they're coming into salvation, they're giving their hearts to God, you know the kingdom of God is at hand. (laughs) You know that the kingdom of God is here when you see those things. So secondly, righteousness and justice is a very clear theme. It's in 16 of the 17 passages. So Isaiah 32, 1 says, See, a king will reign in righteousness, and rulers will rule in justice. Thirdly, peace is mentioned 14 times. Isaiah 9, verse 6, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, the mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So when peace is restored to somebody's life, when they come to peace, perhaps the first time, the first time for me, I was a teenager, I struggled growing up with anxiety and fear in a terrible way. But when I encountered heaven, when heaven came to me, when I received a baptism in the Holy Spirit, I knew peace for the first time in my life because the kingdom of God had come there. I wasn't afraid anymore. And even now, if I'm starting to get a bit kind of anxious or jittery, I know it's because there's something not quite right. Come on. Oh, Lord, what's wrong? And there, we're back. The peace is there. So when the peace is there, the kingdom of God has come. Joy is another characteristic. Do you know, sometimes we think that God is no fun. Some people say that. He's just a spoil sport. I'll tell you, the most fun you can ever have is to encounter the joy of heaven. I've seen people laugh for hours just on the Holy Spirit. There's no joy like it. It says 13 times in those 17 references, Isaiah chapter 9 verse 3, you have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. Isn't that a wonderful picture of the Messiah's job? You've enlarged the nation, increased their joy. They rejoice before you. As people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. That's the kind of joy we're talking about from the kingdom of God. People can get so serious in church sometimes. And I keep saying, you know, church is meant to be fun. (laughs) We're meant to be rejoicing like this, like this, like people rejoice at the harvest as warriors rejoice when they're dividing the plunder joy when joy is amongst the people it's because the kingdom of god is here look happy (laughs) sorry i'm being cheeky now i'm getting a bit intoxicated myself up here (coughs) the next characteristic is god's presence Have you encountered God's presence today as we've met together? God's presence often it appears as light in Isaiah. It's often a picture of of the presence of God is light. So in Isaiah chapter 60 it says arise shine for your light has come and the glory of god rises upon you see darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the people but the lord rises upon you and his glory appears upon you do you know to be in the kingdom of god is a place of incredible brightness incredible light the darkness is gone it's chased out by the light you know you can't turn the darkness on You turn the light off to get the darkness. If you want to get rid of the darkness, you turn the light on. That's what the kingdom of God is like. It overcomes the darkness. Six, healing. Healing appears seven times. Isaiah 53, very famous verse. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed. We expect to see healing not just because it's an entertainment factor in a charismatic church. We expect to see healing because it's a sign of the kingdom of God being here. We expect people to be healed when we pray for them because the kingdom of God is here and the kingdom of God is about healing. Hallelujah. Who's been healed here? Who's experienced healing in some way or other? It may be physical, spiritual, emotional. Look around the room. The kingdom of God has been here. (laughs) He swept right through. (laughs) Hallelujah. And then finally, number seven, this characteristic, is comfort. Comfort appears six times. Isaiah 51 verse 3 says, The Lord will surely comfort the people of God and will look with compassion on all her ruins. He will make her deserts like Eden, her wastelands like the garden of the Lord, joy, and gladness will be found in her thanksgiving and the sound of singing. Isn't that beautiful? Have you been comforted by God? You know, there's so much sadness in people's lives, doesn't the world need to be comforted? So, seven characteristics of the kingdom of God, quite quickly there. I encourage you to think those over. Uh, we'll get an email round, but I'd encourage you to think about those. Deliverance and salvation, righteousness and justice, peace, joy, God's presence, healing, comfort, loved by God. When we see these things, we know that God's kingdom is advancing on earth and through and amongst us. And so this is what the Jews understood by the kingdom of God, which then makes sense of this really important exchange that went on between John the Baptist and Jesus in Matthew chapter 11 verses 2-4. to Let me just read this to you. In fact, let me start at verse 1. Matthew chapter 11. No, we'll start at verse 2. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come or should we expect somebody else? Verse 4. Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you see and hear. Now, what comes next will prove whether he's the Messiah or not, okay? Here it is. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is proclaimed to the poor. He's the Messiah. Can you just imagine John sitting there? Oh, thank goodness. The kingdom that I have been proclaiming has really come. And it's come through the one, the king from heaven, who is now advancing that wonderful peace and that order of heaven through the world. And it continues today. And this is why I started with stories. (laughs) There's got to be something tangible about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is something that we need to see. And when we see it, we need to know that the king is here. It's why we encourage people in the church here. Look, when God does something for you, it's not just kind of praising up me or somebody else who's prayed for you or anything like that. We want to announce, to declare the kingdom of God is here. I've got peace in my life. There's somebody in the church recently who experienced a release of fear that they've known since childhood. The kingdom of God is here. We need to announce this. We need to testify. Testify. I've always wanted to say that. Huh? Oh, we get carried away now. My wife's just told me. Oh. So how can we sum this up? We're coming down for a landing now. Is there a definition? Please, I'm a Westerner. (laughs) Is there a definition that we can use? Well, fortunately we have George Eldon Ladd, who came up with a really helpful working definition. Here it is, and it's in two parts. He says this, The kingdom is primarily the dynamic reign of the kingly rule of God. Isn't that beautiful? The dynamic reign of the kingly rule of God and, derivatively, the sphere in which that rule is experienced. So it is the king of God. It's both the rule of God over his people, but it is also the effect of that rule being tangibly experienced. And I don't want to proclaim the kingdom of God without the second one of those. I don't want to just come up with some kind of great theory of some new understanding of the Bible. If it's not, then tangibly experienced. I expect that as we declare the kingdom of God, as we grow in our understanding of it, the tangible experiences will flow increasingly amongst us. So that we'll have a queue of people with stories, I know they're already here. There are already many stories from people in this church, but they will go up even more. There will be even more stories of the kingdom of God breaking out. Amen? So have you encountered the kingdom yet? Because, you know, today is the day of salvation. That's what Hebrew says. Today you can experience peace. Today you can experience freedom. Today there's salvation, today, because the kingdom of God is near. It's not some far off place, it's very near. We only have to pray, say Lord let your kingdom come. Today we can know healing and comfort, today we can know justice We can know sins forgiven. We can be made righteous because the king is here. And we can also know more of the kingdom. We can pray for more of God's kingdom to come and to be tangibly experienced. And we can also pray that those that we come into contact with day to day will tangibly experience the kingdom even though they might not know why they can't help telling you their problems. You know, this guy here, I took him to a church with me, this Tim here. And he came up to me afterwards, he said, why is it everybody keeps telling me all their problems? (laughs) I said, well Tim, it's obvious, you've got a wonderful pastor's heart and people just want to share stuff with you. The kingdom of God comes through you like that. And there are many other people here that... You know, people can't help but just share stuff with you. Darren's another one of those people. People will tell them, my life is broken, it's messed up, I can't help telling you, but sorry, but... The kingdom of God is amongst us. So people who come into contact with us, they say our expectation should be that the kingdom of God breaks out. I think it will, now you get that. Sometimes it happens, but we just don't recognize what's happening. And we think, oh, they're a superman, you know, it happens for them. No, no, no. Change the way that you think. Look, see what God is already doing and celebrate that. So often our focus is on, but you didn't do that. You didn't heal that person. You didn't do that thing. And God is doing so much more if we only have eyes to see.